Hey, hey, hey. It's uh, now it's December 30th. I'm gonna I'm gonna roll Sunday morning. 8:33 a.m. Another one of these Arizona Arizona mornings. 8:33 a.m. The sun is up. And uh, it's 38 degrees. So this has been the coldest podcast for walking bud. So we, 38 degrees. Wow. What else do we know about today, bud? It's 38 degrees, and what's the high temperature going to be today? Let's see. We'll go back to that. 55. So we're going to go up about 20 degrees during the day. And 55 will be much nicer. But uh, it is what it is, man. It's 38. And we'll, oh, let's get the humidity, 48. It's kind of humid time of year for us. And uh, blue skies, quiet Sunday morning. And Bud, we even put a little uh, back covering. It's kind of like a jacket, but it's on his back. So he'll be a little warmer. I think he's fine without it, but, you know, we'll put this little, it's a, black and red checker um, material that's uh, got Velcro on it so you can Velcro it to his belly and around his front. So he's he's happy. He's out and about. We're walking. We're walking down the road here looking out at some not just about 800 foot mountains. That's it. 800 feet, but it's something to look at. Plus, Arizona has this unique uh, well, it's not, I don't know if it's unique, but it's different than a lot of places. We we can see miles. I mean, we can, those those little 800-foot quote-unquote mountains are probably 10 miles away. I have, a pretty, I have a pretty clear shot of the view of that. And then uh, when I turn the corner up here, I'll probably be able to see 20 miles over a desert because we, we don't have a lot of trees, and, and it is pretty flat in most spots out here, so... There you go. So it's end of the year. It's um, on the end of 2018. And uh, I was looking for something to do on New Year's Eve, but it's kind of, as a couple, you know, you they have, you, they advertise a lot of things and it's probably more for like 30 to 40 year olds and they're even younger. And like, unless you go out in a group, and I don't have a group to go out with, so it's kind of hard to um, find something. So there's, I'm looking out there, that might be 30 miles away. I mean, we, we can see a long distance out here, which I don't know, does it impact the mentality? I, I have a feeling it does impact the brain, you know? Like if you uh, live in an area like Chicago, or for example, you don't really... You don't really have the uh, the mental stimulation of long distances, so maybe those people are more introspective naturally because they really don't see a long ways away. They, this means it's nice to look at a tree and look at some green things. It's pretty flowers, but everything's colloquial. Your limited view of vision is short. I mean, certainly you can 
drive to Lake Michigan, for example, and look out over the water, but it's endless, and then that's it. There's, but that's that. Or you could get a view of 20 miles away and see the top of Sears Tower. Uh, no, that's that, but that and that does have a a mental impact on your brain when you see that far away. You go, wow, okay. There's a lot of there's a lot of things between here and there. <laughs> I don't know. This is the typical unprepared podcast. I'm walking the dog. I'm walking the dog and talking away. So I, I think I have a few listeners, but I don't know what. I should probably get feedback and. Maybe I can improve. What, what does it mean to improve this podcast, you know? Maybe stay focused. Oh, yeah. Well, what am I going to focus on? I don't know. It's fun to just do random, isn't it? I mean, isn't that more reflective of our lives? You know, we, random things. We can't control a lot of things around us. And the challenge is to... Um, figure out a, a response that we we should make that's a good response so simple things like it's 38 degrees so what are, what's my response well I'm gonna put a jacket on <laughs> if the brain figures it out it's like well if I'm gonna walk bud today uh, I can look outside and it looks like it could be 110 but I know it's not 110 it very well could be very warm, but it's not. So I got jeans on and a sweater and a jacket. So here we are. That was my response. And I didn't, I just talked about it more than I thought about it, right? Nice little motorcycle going by and then a bicycle going by. So life is happening. I suppose philosophically, I was thinking the other, I, I saw this guy named George Gilder. Uh, he's like, I don't know, he's an older, wise guy that's written a lot of books. I haven't read any of them, but I saw him interviewed. Sounds like a fascinating guy. Talks about crypto chasm and the future. And his latest book has got an intriguing title called Life After Google. How about that? life after Google. I mean, Google has become, what, a verb too? Like, Google it. Go, hey, want, you need some information? Go Google it. Google it. Google it, man. So, George Gilder, fascinating fellow. Cryptochasm. But he, he talks about, you know, artificial intelligence, right? So, I mean, if I, if I title this podcast, maybe I'll do that just for fun. Artificial intelligence, AI, and there's a lot of people are just fascinated by AI, aren't we? And robots. I mean, I, I had the uh, there's industrial. They even have a category. Basically, industrial robots are robots that do things. They do ma manufacturing. They assist in manufacturing. They make so you don't have to hire somebody and um, to stand there and do a routine motion like routine motion over and over again repetitive motion that's where you get a lot of those they even have uh, repetitive motion injuries right you can injure your body by because you end up doing the same thing over and over again and probably my most visual example for me is uh, a company that makes bolts okay bolts are uh, steel and you 
it's fairly simple. You start with a, a, a piece of cylindrical piece of steel and to make a bolt you're going to want to thread it and put a hex head on it. So the hex head is the, the eight-sided, typically eight-sided hex shape that has a distance across it, right? That's either, a, you know, you may have a big bolt that has a one-inch wrench you'd put on the bolt. Now, isn't it, I mean, you, you really dialed into this podcast and, and you're thinking, wow, yeah, Mike's going to talk about bolts, man. I love it. <laughs> Mike, Mike's talking about bolts while walking the dog. So, so it has to do with artificial intelligence, though, believe it or not. Can you believe it? It's just as simple as that, uh, a bolt and artificial intelligence. What a combo. So, so the guy, you get this cylinder and you want to heat it up really glowing hot. So they have this thing called induction heaters. And it's an electric field that's kind of like you stick the steel um, piece in this uh, round wrapping cylinder type thing and it heats the thing up glowing red hot and the guy takes of course he's wearing gloves and then tongs so he takes tongs and picks up that glowing red hot cylinder and moves it just a couple of feet over to a press so the it's a vertical press and so he places the cylinder and kind of drops it into the tooling to hold it and this big press comes down and smacks the head of it you know so he may move repetitive motion again as he's taking the tongs picking uh picking one up a red hot one and oh by the way he he does a real quick move he does a i'm going to put the the next piece that hasn't been heated up yet into the heater while he takes the glowing red hot one out and while he moves the glowing red hot one over to the press smacks it in about 10 seconds or so and then it it, uh, he pulls it out and drops it in a bucket he goes back and picks up the next one and he does it over and over again you can take a stopwatch and see that it i don't know it's usually he probably does one every 30 seconds or something right so it's repetitive motion and the industrial robot would be able to do that without having to have a person standing there um, all day doing that. So you could run that, push a button and get the robot to, to do that repetitive motion. You have to design design the system, the robot, and computer programming, maybe some optical. They have cameras now, and so you can have the camera look at the situation and see that yep there's a glowing red hot item there so it's ready to go pick it up move it over and and do all that repetitive action that basically forever you hire someone to do that right so that's a specific example of robotics and there's not a lot of artificial intelligence in there because you want basically what you want to do is um, the, the, the artificial intelligence part isn't really advanced yet. So as far as it's a, I guess it depends on the problem you're trying to solve. So in this one, we just have a human being, a person standing there in, this, in roughly the same spot all day long 
move in this material. So they already have industrial robots that aren't artificial. They're not artificial intelligence. It's, it's just programming. You specifically program it to do activities. It's not like the robots making decisions and quote-unquote thinking, right? It's just industrial robots. And they're pretty cool, and they're quite useful. And they're a good thing because there's a lot of labor in the world that is... Um, we just throw people at it because they um, they do have intelligence and they can quickly optimize the system and do what's best. But a robot, you have to program it, tell it what to do. So there's your bolts thing. I don't know what where was I going? That George back to George Gilder. So he's got some good YouTube videos recently about his book Life After Google. Intriguing title, right? Because we're all Googleized, and you know, you start using Google, and then you right, we get so used to it that we search for stuff. It's a great. You can learn so much just by Googling things, and it takes you to videos of George Gilder if you want. So uh, I don't have to give you the website for learning about George Gilder. I just have to spell his name, G-I-L-D-E-R, George, and off and running. You find all you want about George. Probably within five minutes, you probably know more about George than I do. <laughs> and that's okay. It's not a competition. <laughs> wow, it, life has been such a competition. Hasn't it been? I mean, dang. Who knows the most? I guess you start out as young, you get indoctrinated in school, like, did you get 100% on that math test? Yeah, I did. Well, I only got a 94. Well, I got an 85. Well, you're an idiot. What a bunch of competition, right? Stupid. That's our, that's our education system. But with Google, you can go look up George Gilder and learn all about it, which is even funny because it's ironic. Isn't it ironic? You use Google to learn about life after Google. <laughs> I wonder if George would think that's funny. I think that's funny. Yeah, I'm, I, I didn't know much about George Gilder, so I Googled it, and he's got a book called Life After Google. So it's a great book. I read it. No, I, I didn't, but I'm just saying it's how, how my mind works. Maybe that's why you like to listen to the podcast, because is it free association? I don't know. It's not planned out. And that's a framework. Am I freely associating? I don't know. Do I care? I'm just talking into the iPhone again. Here we are. iPhone, earbuds, walking the dog, walking the bud, and uh, picking up his poop in a blue bag. And it's Katie. Oh, Katie is... Why are you so riled up, Katie? Listen to these dogs. Hey, you guys are friends. Hey, hey. Hey, I thought you... oh, Wait, are you Katie? Hey, guys, you guys are friends. Don't you recognize? Don't you recognize, bud? Hey, it's okay, bud. You guys are friends. You. There you go. Katie, don't you remember, buddy? Maybe, maybe you got confused because of the red jacket he's wearing. <laughs> he's, wearing he's wearing a red jacket, so maybe that's why. Katie got all excited. Sorry, Katie. 
didn't recognize the bud. So, well, that was a distraction. Freely associated, free, free association conversation. So maybe you're doing the, are you baking? Oh, there's a couple of white dogs. What are, you, are you changing the oil in your car? Are you driving down the road? Are you, uh, are you uh, sitting in your living room? Are you, see what I would do is, one of the things I do when I listen to podcasts is, I think I, I, think I, I wanted to talk about this subject because it's so stupid. But uh, the, as you get older, I'm over 50, so. Like, and, and I don't know if it's Arizona. I asked my brother who's older than I am, but he, he lives in Boston area. So it's not as dry as here. So anyways, my heels are dry out and I got these calluses on there. So every few months or so, I, I finally go like, all right, I got to scrape these things off. And I've, I've actually had a pedicure. So for those women out there who might be listening, it's pretty funny, like a guy going to one of those nail shops and have these Asian people like scrape your feet. Yeah, yeah, I did that. Oh, dogs! I've done that. I've been to the nail shop. Now most men don't go in there, but I, you know I gave it a shot. But it really, for thirty bucks or twenty-five bucks, or they do, I decided, yeah, I can do this myself. So it, it doesn't last very long. You know, scraping the old calluses off. So, but the thing is, is like if the skin, it's a weird thing. It's like if you pick at the calluses, then you. You pull the skin and you like it exposes the tender skin or whatever you want to call it underneath. Very weird discussion, right, for a podcast. But the reason I think about it is my right heel is a little bit painful right now when I walk because of the calluses and the scraping and the sensitivity. Wow, that that is like a value-added podcast information. <laughs> oh. Hopefully you're just laughing with joy because this is life, you know, walking the dog. What does your brain do when you walk the dog? Just thinks about random stuff. So, but it's not really random, is it? Right? Is, it is, is it more freely, free association? <laughs> I don't care if it's free association. Maybe, then again, that's the framework thing. It's, frameworks are so dangerous. They're, they're useful, but they're also very manipulative. So you, you observe things and then you frame them and then you, 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 like, you make the, the framework more significant than it is. So, so like this, in this case, free association, I, I may be doing that. Maybe that's exactly what I'm doing, it's free association. But I don't care. I mean, it's just a framework as a description of what I'm doing. So what's the big deal? Does it make you feel better to go, Oh yeah, I listen to this podcast. This guy just free associates. He's just free associating, man, when he walks his dog. It's so interesting. No, it's not. It's just, it's maybe, hopefully it's interesting, sure. But it doesn't matter whether you call it free association or not. It's just, it is what it is, man. So frameworks really tick me off because basically I'm an argumentative person. And so I, 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 I argue. It's not that I troll, right? So... Uh, on my my Twitter, my uh, fake Twitter account. It's not even a fake. It's a real Twitter account. It's just I don't identify myself. <laughs> I don't. I want to distance myself, the real me, from the crap I tweet. And it's not because I'm a troll. So I did I did come up with a, a research troll the other day. And trolling is one of the key principles of 
claiming someone's a troll is that um, in order to be a troll, you have to be responding to someone that doesn't really want you to respond. So, like, in order to be a troll, you have to... The technical definition is to say, well, um, I made this statement, but uh, I don't, I'm not soliciting your response. And I'm like, well, that means no one on Twitter can be a troll. It's just absolutely impossible to be a troll on Twitter because there's a little button on there that says respond. So by pure agreement or definition of being on Twitter, you're opening yourself up to responses. So if you don't like someone's response, to call them a troll is actually, uh, I'll, I'll take the, the danger here and say it's oxymoron, but I really have to think hard about what the definition of oxymoron is. But essentially, if you call someone a troll on Twitter, it's impossible to be a troll on Twitter because everybody's agreed that I'm going to make a statement. Someone's going to make a statement on here. And anybody in the world, all 7 billion people, you know, maybe some some dude in Indonesia, you know, maybe they, they, they killed that guy that tried to to bring the, the gospel to that Indian island that was in the news a couple months, a couple weeks ago. Maybe he had an iPhone with him, you know, and maybe they killed him and they took his iPhone and maybe he had, maybe he had a connection to Wi-Fi out there and these guys picked up his iPhone and went on Twitter and decided to tweet, you know, so 7 billion people, you, you know, you, the Twitter goes out everywhere, anywhere that there's this internet connection, right? So you're basically making a statement that goes out to the world and people most people a lot of people not most but some people are doing it for self-promotion sell something sell their program or let people know that i i'm hip i'm out here i'm out on twitter but so by the whole usage of twitter you're opening yourself up to response you're almost begging for a response right so if you don't like someone's this is the thing about calling someone a troll if you don't like their response the easiest thing to do is say, oh, you're just a troll, you know. And I, my, my thing is like, no, there, you can't be a troll because either, well, I guess I would say everybody's a troll on Twitter or nobody is. It's either all or nothing, man. Come on. <laughs> so, so these people on Twitter, it's a fascinating time in the world, right? We've never had anything like this but we we just accept these changes i mean it's like it's like it's not a matter of accepting them it's like they happen this technology advancement stuff is happening and and the question is how do you interface with it how do you how are you going to decide to interact with this technology and it's not there's not i'm not i don't have a right answer i know i know i mean i don't want you to be waiting for every one of my podcasts to give you the right answer because I don't have one. I'm not, I'm not saying what the right answer is. I mean, it just exists. Like some people will say, oh, well, I got, I got off Twitter because Twitter's this and this and that. Well, that's your choice. And that's, you noticed that maybe Twitter wasted too much of your time or something. And so you made a decision. It's not right or wrong for you. It's right. You know, just do what you feel is right. For me, I like the Twitter 
And I did take the app off to make it just a fraction more difficult for me to participate. Because with the phone, these are confessions of a Twitter non-troll. That's what I am. I'm a Twitter non-troll. <laughs> I just, just made that up. Because most people probably would want to call me a troll just because I'm to them they don't like what I tweet. Or I, you know, they obviously someone tweets something and if I disagree with it and I'm responding to them, they they can see that I don't agree with their tweet, so they're gonna be like, oh troll, troll. This guy's a troll. And my defense is, is no, not a troll. You asked for a response, so you got it. <laughs> you asked for it, you got it. Toyota, the old commercial, which was a line in the movie City Slickers, by the way. So if you've heard that before, you asked for it, you got it, Toyota. That commercial ran maybe for a few years. Good marketing campaign. But Toyota has moved on to other things. And there's a new marketing thing for Toyota. But at one time there was, you asked for it, you got it, Toyota was a slogan and it made it into the movie City Slickers. So therefore it will live on longer than normal because it's in a movie. Huh? Don't you like that in-depth analysis with no frameworks? I didn't frame anything. And uh, man, coffee, am I on a roll? I don't know. You, it's up to you to decide if I'm on a roll or not. Um, where were we? Where were we? Oh, I forgot where we were. I know artificial intelligence is George Gilder and Google, life after Google. Interesting subject. Crypto chasm. Technology changing. It's going to change. So if there's life after Google, there's probably life after Twitter. Because Twitter is much... It's not a really information-seeking um, tool. It's more of a pontificating tool or just, I don't know, just say people shouting out their opinions to the world. So, whoops, hey bud, come on. Um, artificial intelligence, robots. And I was, I was talking to a smart very smart person about artificial intelligence because I'm kind of in this electronics thing right now making circuit cards and basically you can't really do artificial intelligence without electronics because basically taking electronics and computers which are basically electronics of course and uh, converting them into useful things so back to my bolts the useful thing there was allowing a company to make the bolts without having to hire somebody to do repetitive motion so there's a good application of robotics but artificial intelligence and robots I mean they're industrial robots are kind of boring because they're basically made for lifting and, and um, XYZ movements but the whole push of robotics and artificial intelligence is to um, give machines a human-esque um, interface, so to speak, right? Like, so it's still a machine, but you're going to be able to talk to it somehow. And it'll have much more variety of 
responses. It'll be able to do a lot more physical things, maybe make some decisions, maybe maybe think about what was communicated. It's a very complex subject, artificial intelligence, and I'm not involved in it. Uh, because it's like an it's like an endless thing. I mean, I'm sure there's like super smart people like this George Gilder, um, who go into the philosophy of it all and everything. But my observation is just a simple comedic one is like, so we have this push for artificial intelligence and robotics and so forth, which is happening and it's going to happen just like Twitter happened. We didn't ask for it. We got it. Google. We didn't ask for Google, but we got it. It's there. So, his artificial intelligence, quote unquote, artificial intelligence, um, which cynically a little divergent thought is, is that all of us are artificial intelligence. <laughs> what what we have is not natural intelligence. Oh. Isn't that classic? You know how, how some people get all fr frightful and say, well, AI, AI this, and AI, oh, AI is going to take over the world. AI, well, AI already has taken over the world. It's just that we hold it in our, our brains. Which does bring me back to George Gilder. I knew this is going somewhere. So, and it also helps you love everyone always, too. This what what I'm about to share. So, George makes the observation that this chess player who um, playing chess, so most of you know chess, it's a game, and there's turns out there's 64 little squares on there and a number of pieces, and uh, you move them around, and there's rules about how certain pieces can move, and there's rules of what happens in situations, and one person moves and the other one moves. And what they, they call that a deterministic system. So it's determined. There's only, it's very fixed. People don't realize chess is, you know, it has this aura of like sophistication and amazement, right? But when it comes down to it, it's kind of a stupid game because it's all deterministic. It's like the pieces, you know, for the, if you happen to be listening to this podcast and you're like a championship world chess match player, you'd probably be pissed off at me, you know, because you're like, oh, you're just simplifying chess down. I'm like, no, well, it needs to be simplified down and demystified. Every one of those pieces on the board can only do certain things. It's an artificial game. It's uh, deterministic, as he says. So, um, yeah, certainly there's millions of possibilities and it has this mystified mystique to it. But I, And I like this movie. There's a movie about uh, this Swedish guy, I think it is, who became this master chess player and he plays chess 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 and again it's kind of like that uh, Malcolm Gladwell do something 10,000 times and you get better at it. that works with a deterministic system for the most part I don't know if Malcolm Gladwell talked about deterministic systems versus indeterminate systems so we live in an indeterminate world but we like to make games like chess which are all deterministic, and then apply mathematics and reason and logic to it. So this is going somewhere, by the way. <laughs> I hope. I hope it's going somewhere. So, so uh, the, the master chess player gets beat by this supercomputer, and it turns out it's not just a supercomputer that you slap down on the table across from the guy. Somehow 
some geeks like connected all these supercomputers at various locations in the world. So now you've got electronics communicating and working the combinations and doing all the mathematics, trying to beat this human guy who's basically using his brain. So you've got George Gilder, who smart guy, and he talks about this chess match. And he's like, well, this master champion has trained himself, played 10,000 games of chess, worked out all the things in his head. He's just using his brain. That's all he's got. And, and yet he's competitive with this supercomputer, which now this is a, like a paradigm shift also. It's like looking at the human brain and he makes the comment that the human brain runs on 15 watts of electricity, 15 watts. Now, of course, we all know that we don't plug our bodies into the wall and outlet, but he's basically saying our, the human body is amazing, the brain is amazing, and it, and it runs on 50, the equivalent. It's an equivalency, of course. It's not 15 watts of electricity. So, I mean, I can relate to that. I'm listening to George Gilder, and most people may listen to that and go, well, what does that mean, 15 watts of electricity? He just throws it out there. But it's, it's a trigger in my head because it's engineering, it's mathematics. But if you think about 15 watts, I mean, if you, in most, how do we relate to it? To me, I would explain that to people like you I use a blow dryer. So most people listening to this podcast may be familiar with a blow dryer. So you plug that blow dryer in and you don't think much about it. And you push the button to max high or whatever you're doing. And that blow dryer could be 1,500 watts. So 100 times more electricity is running through that blow dryer to heat the heating element, to blow the fan, to blow the hot air or warm air over your scalp to dry out the hair and give it some fluff or shape or whatever the hell you want to do with it. <laughs> so, so a blow dryer plugged into the wall is putting out 1,500, up to, can do up to 1,500 watts. And uh, some of that's mathematical too, because the watts is a, it's voltage times amperage, getting a little technical. So if you have uh, roughly a 120 volt, 120 volt uh, system in your house, which we do, and then 10 amps is a pretty good amount of amperage. So you know, now you're at 1200 right there, 120 times 10. So that, yeah, it's your blow dryer. So your brain, though, what, what George Gilder's saying is the brain is, is running on 15 watts, which is minimal amount of electrical power equivalency. And yet, in order to, for them to get the supercomputer with the quote-unquote artificial intelligence to respond to his move of one piece. Now remember, I've, I've simplified chess down to a really stupid game of rules and deterministic outcomes. So think about it. These little pieces have rules. The pawns can only move one square. The knight can, can only move in a certain way. And the, the bishop or whatever these pieces are, I forgot, the castle, right? And so they have deterministic moves. So the supercomputer, which is using hundreds of kilowatts of electricity to try to beat this 15-watt human, is what George Gilder puts it in perspective. Again, it's kind of it's kind of a framework a little bit. Like, 
okay, what's, what's the electrical power of the supercomputers all around the world trying to beat this guy in chess? And you stack it up and you go like, well, the, the electrical power and the computing power being ex extended to try to beat a 15-watt brain is amazing, okay? So now, how do we bring this back to human relationships? And I think this is a, a good reason why to love everyone always and look at the humans as having immense capability. Every human has incredible capability. Like, we're not all going to be master chess um, champions. And if we all were, then it would be kind of boring because it would be like the difference between, you know, all of us playing chess would be, there'd be like very little differentiation because we'd all be like super genius chess players, right? But again, how important is the chess game? It's deterministic system and it's a frame <laughs> that is chess in and of itself is a framework of rules fit it in there and i might be using framework loosely on that but i'm not here to debate the philosophical importance of chess which i guess you'd say i'm minimizing it at the moment and and, and yet it also is useful to me because i'm all about the distribution curve so you take the seven billion people on the planet there's some super chess champions out there that are way out there on the distribution curve that can like really kick butt. Like you take someone way out on the right of like uh, super ability to play chess versus someone in the middle, they just wipe them out too easy for them, right? So, and again, and it's the brain power, right? And then it's like, so we all have the same brain and we could, we could all, under the circumstances, right circumstances, train ourselves to play chess. It takes hours and hours, and then now we're back into the Malcolm Gladwell's 10,000 events or do something 10,000 times to become good at something. And it's like, well, it's just not that important for all of us to be master chess players. So I started reading a I read a book a couple years ago, and I'm back cracking it, cracking it open again because it's got me thinking again. It's one of my favorite writers named John Ortberg, uh, and uh, he wrote a book called "The Me You Were Meant to Be" or something. Or something. The me I'm the, to be the me I want to be or something like that. But now I have to look it up. I mean, I might as well look it up. So what are we doing here? How are we doing? We are... This has kind of been a long podcast. Where are we at? 39 minutes. 39 minutes. Okay, we're 39 minutes into this thing. Let me go to Amazon on my phone. See, this is amazing, right? On the phone. Amazon while I'm podcasting. Walking the dog. And let's see what we got. The me... Is it the me I want to be? Yeah, okay. The me I want to be. So there it is. The me I want to be. Becoming God's best version of you. Not your own best version of you, but you know, this gets back to, do I recognize the higher power, the spiritual element, 
So a good book on that, on being the best you. So what's your outlier thing? What, what is your, we all have this brain and gifts and there's some kind of spiritual element. And some people, you know, are capable of training themselves and to be the deterministic champion of chess, you know. But that's not for everybody. So the trick is, is like, what's your outlier gift? What are you really good at? And start doing it. And uh, that's the outlier. And everybody's different. And, and uh, you know, we may watch a movie about this Swedish kid. It's like, wow, that's really cool, man. Look at this guy. He's a genius in chess. He did great. It's a great story. It is a good story. It's fun to watch. But it's not for Fora. I mean, we're not going to become chess players by watching that movie and probably the point of the movie is not that we can all be genius chess masters but this guy did something and he's top of the game it's kind of cool and here's another dog what are we gonna do we're gonna say hi to this doggy hey morning you gonna say hi buddy Looks like you guys are pretty compatible, these two dogs. Yeah, she's old enough where she's compatible. With <laughs> that, that's the trick, huh? Being old enough to become compatible. That's, I get grumpier the older I get. No, you, you're more compatible. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, and age has some wisdom to it, right? It, it does. <laughs> uh -oh. Uh -oh. All right, bud. Well, you, you have a great day. <laughs> oh, a podcast interruption. Don't you love the walking podcast? The walking podcast. Here it is. So the brain, yeah, 15 watts, chess champion. So, and then it gets into programming our own brain. So there's a, Carolyn Leaf has a book, like Retrain Your Brain. And... Uh, yeah, I, I could use some retraining the brain. And uh, and here's where the trick probably is, is are we going to retrain it? I mean, there's the fundamental issues we have relating to one another, and we have bad habits, and we make bad decisions about a lot of things. And then probably the more important things in life are how we relate to one another. So, the, you know, retraining your brain um, to be kinder to people and understanding. And what did, what did that guy just say about his dog? I forget. Not grumpy anymore? No. Um, compatible. That's right. Yeah, we'll get more compatible as we, compatible as we get older. Um, that's a little bit of training the brain to be compatible. We can train your brain to be compatible. Train your our thoughts to love everyone always and say, hey, that dude that's kind of like pissing me off, he still has a 15-watt brain that could make him into a chess champion if he wanted. So am I going to treat them like an artificial intelligent robot or am I going to treat them like a human being so there's a profound thought right so if we think of all of us as we're already artificial intelligent um, people so to speak or um, artificially intelligent biological beings <laughs> that walk around independently, unprogrammed by an external 
human programmer. So maybe that's a good shift. We're all artificial intelligence. I kind of like that. Are we all artificial intelligence? To some extent, um, I had this drama with my 93-year-old mother, and her brain <coughs> was acting kind of weird. She was confused and saying weird stuff. Of course, you know, even when she's quote-unquote in good health, she probably says wacky, confusing stuff too, but that's a whole nother story. But uh, she's, you know, the plug's going to get, not, I shouldn't say, that's a nasty way of putting it but uh, at this point, but the, her her breathing, you know, um, sometimes I've heard this song, you know, every breath we take, we are something like uh, breathing God. And that there's some truth. There's a lot of truth. There. I mean, what, every breath we have is a, is a gift to some extent. We just take it for granted. So our brains, our thoughts, our in, quote-unquote intelligence, which kind of frames up a lot of things. Intelligence, what does that mean? It's a framework, man. Intelligence is a framework. <laughs> is it? <laughs> and uh, so what do we got here, bud? We got a little little activity for the bud. I'm such a good dog owner picking up your poop, bud. So, um, yeah, intelligence is a framework, artificial intelligence. We are kind of artificial intelligence, meaning that uh, we didn't create ourselves. We're, we have the, the, the gift of breathing, and our bodies are mysteriously pumping blood around to different extremities of our bodies, and we are... Um, able to interact with one another and every person is a 15 watt supercomputer and some of those supercomputers are programmed pretty well the, they have a good IO that's input output IO is usually a communication term so some of us have really good IO we can listen we can learn we can be empathetic we can we can uh, interface with with uh, each other, and then we come across computers sometimes that aren't really well programmed, uh, and we have to bang them on the head. <laughs> hey, do you understand me? Hey, hey, I'm trying to communicate to you, and so the flow isn't quite there in communication, and it's an I/O problem. Is it an I/O problem? Let's computerize everything. Um, so we got about five minutes to walk, and I, I guess I hammered home the George Gilder crypto chasm future, which we will stumble into. But we dogs will still be here in ten years from now when we're all ten or fifteen when I don't own a car anymore. And if I'm still alive um, in fifteen years, we'll just have. Uh, driverless vehicles that will come to our iPhone, our smartphone, if you like Android. The, um, the vehicle will come to your present location and take you where you want to go. And that's going to be the future. We won't 
change tires. I won't. I uh, I did have to change a tire that day. I hit a big rock on the road. It was, I'd say maybe like a five pounder. It was a pretty big rock, and I didn't see it because I was behind a truck, and they swerved at the last second, and then all of a sudden it appeared in front of me, and boom! I hit this rock and it just destroyed my tire. And uh, so I had to change a tire myself, and I just did it. No, I mean I have AAA, but. But basically, if I called AAA, I would be there for an hour and a half waiting. And I'm like, I did. I just changed the tire myself in about 10 minutes, you know, maybe 11 minutes and 38 seconds to be exact. No, I'm just kidding. Um, but that I am that kind of guy <laughs> that would that would want to know, like, like what does that tell me, right? But I did it pretty quick. It was less than 20 minutes. I'd say that. So I got the tire changed, drove it to the discount tire which is a beautiful thing which you don't really have in Germany folks I mean for any folks that have to be in Germany you really don't have that stinking discount tire convenience man is America convenient so you go into discount baby I speak the language I don't have to worry about speaking German to the dude life was easy man got two new tires put on took care of some business and carried on what a great thing why am I talking about the tire? I forget. Um, how did I get under the flat tire? Uh, I don't remember. So, flat tire, flat tire. I was just, just wrapping up George Gilder, artificial intelligence, um, life after Google, life after Twitter. I know, I was talking about driverless cars. That's what it was. Yep, see, it got there. I got back to it. Driverless cars, I love the concept. I've been thinking about it for two years. I've recognized it. The beauty of it, because then if I was in a driverless car, it wasn't my car, number one. I just sit back and do whatever I want to do, and it would take me to where I'm going, and I wouldn't have that experience of changing the tire. You know? Because probably what in, the, in that problem set in the future, if the driverless car does hit a rock, because it could happen, flat tire, it will just pull over. And it'll immediately call another car to come to get me. And they'll also probably call someone to fix the tire. So, you know, it's like, okay, I've already, I can see it. You can write it down for a movie script if you want. Driverless car, dude gets a flat tire, just pulls over, gets out, another car shows up, takes him on. You know, less than 10, less than 20 minutes of time. And... You didn't have to get the wrench out. You didn't have to, like, find the other lug nuts because you have different lug nuts for a standard tire versus the spare, the, the little mini spare on there. So, yeah, so that's going to be 10 or 15 years from now. I won't own a car. won't need a garage because you just, just think of the space savings. No parking lots because you just, the car takes you there and gets out of the way and goes and does something else. So... I probably mentioned in an earlier podcast, but it doesn't matter because no one's, I don't archive these things or try to <clears throat> make points. Like, I'm not going to ever tell someone, like, well, I already talked about that. I already, you know, go, go listen to all podcasts because I have nowhere to tell where to point someone to. It's just pointless, right? So I have mentioned this before, I'm pretty sure, but it doesn't matter. I'm going to tell you again. Repetition is okay. <laughs> I drive my car six hours a week. That's it. And I drive a fair amount. I mean, like, I think 15,000 
miles a year, which is, you know, 12 to 15,000 miles at six hours a week. That's it, six hours, people. It seems like I'm in the car much more than that, right? You think you're in your car continuously. But I have this fancy car that has a clock built into it. And so when I turn the car on, the clock starts counting. So I'm like, well, that's kind of weird. It's a 2007 car. It's like way before they thought of doing driverless cars. But now that I see it, what's the obvious question to ask? Well, there's 168 hours in a week. And if my car is only being used six hours a week, that is immensely inefficient, right? It's like the car sits so much of the time doing nothing. Whereas, do I need it? It's always ready for me. But with Uber, we all know if you've used Uber more than 10 times, you kind of get amazed at the Uber thing because you just, wherever you are, especially if you used it in different locations, different cities, you just push the button. You're like, crap, the guy's going to be here in five minutes. <laughs> there's, a, there's a dude in an Uber swarming around every city in the U.S. pretty much. You know, no matter where you are, you can Uber almost. I mean, obviously, if you're out in the middle of Montana, but that's like such an exception. So you, uh, you, you, you've already experienced this. You know that an Uber will be there in five minutes. And um, so why, why would I want to have my own car? Pay for insurance, right? I mean, come on. I just went through this thing with my son. And car insurance? Oh, disgusting. Um, I, I got it down from six to four grand. This is when you get these kids, especially boys, which leads to another funny story. It's like, well, we're all transgender uh, friendly now, right? So why don't I just call my son a girl? Well, he's really a girl. He's transgendering because I want to pay $1,000 less a year on, on car insurance. And I, I, I think that would be a landmark landmark case if any insurance company tried to say, well, no, you can't do that with your son. This is the kind of the wacky free association. I don't know if it's free association. It's just clever conniving. I would say it's my conniving brain to, to claim that my son is really, no, he's a girl. So I charge him the female teenage driving rate, not the male boy t teenage driving rate. And those of you with girls will be like, oh, no, you can't do that. No, you can't do that. And I'm going to be like, well, why not? Because we're saying that we don't care about transgenders. So and this I'm identifying as a girl thing. So if you really believe that, then we have to do that with car insurance. And uh, that's a real world application, you know. So my son is now a girl. No, I haven't done it yet, but it should. But um, He's identifying as a girl while he's driving until he gets old enough to buy his own car insurance. Then he can identify as a boy if he wants. <laughs> but as long as I'm paying for the car insurance, he's identifying as a girl. Is that classic or what? And the, and the, the solution is, the girls aren't going to like this, but the bottom line is insurance is all statistics, right? So they, they have this identified group as teenage boy as high risk. And statistically, probably true. But you know what? Screw it. We're all transgender now. So 
That means girls, men with, uh, or families with uh, daughters that are teenage, instead of paying half what a uh, teenage boy pays, you're going to have to pay 50% more. Because we're all the same. We're all equal. It's all, you know, it's all social justice, baby. Everybody's equal, man. Come on. You know, you got to take these, take these uh, philosophies to their logical conclusion. And I already see it, the, the car insurance. But of course, again, I'm back to drivers' cars. Once, 10 years from now, teenagers won't have to get driver's license and they won't need insurance because they're just going to pay for a service. The car is going to come get them, drive them to where they're going. That's it. That's how we're all going to do it because six hours of driving a week is ridiculous. I have this big chunk of metal. What is it? 4,000 pounds. It uses oil. Got to change the oil. Got to change the tires. Got to look at the brakes. Why? I just want something to get me from A to B. And if I have a phone that says it'll be here in five minutes, done. Think of the efficiencies, folks. Safety, too. The guys, they got it. The people can see it already. They can see less accidents. Drunk driving goes way down. It's amazing, right? The service of driverless cars, artificial intelligence. It's a beautiful thing if you let it be. But we're, we're afraid of change. We're afraid of change, aren't we? I am. I'm not. I haven't figured it out. I, I have things that I need to change that I'm afraid to do. But, uh, so what is this? What is this podcast about anyways? I, I think there's some really value here because what I'm doing is I'm expressing my thoughts. <laughs> and these are thoughts that most people don't express, but they have them. I mean, I know you can relate to them. And I hope I'm not pissed. I could easily piss a lot of people off, but they're gonna, they want to be pissed off to start with. But some of you are quote unquote enlightened and you're like, hey, I'll listen to this, this guy bullshit while he walks his dog around in Arizona. What the hell? He says some interesting things. You know, I could listen to a podcast on Alabama football, how they're going to win the national championship. Oh yeah. Did you see? Oh, I don't know. Clemson beat Notre Dame last night. Sports radio. Let's talk about that. <laughs> and I like sports, but I really have to compartmentalize it because uh, I know it can consume you. And we let our brains, our 15 watt supercomputer brains, we allow them to get sucked into four hours of watching teenagers bang their heads against each other and throw a ball around the field and I'm not dissing the game I like the game but I'm just saying it's when you step back and take a look it's pretty weird pretty weird folks but probably no weirder weirder than this podcast the artificial intelligence podcast which you if you made it this far enjoyed 59 minutes while I'm coming up in the end. So goodbye, love everyone always, and think about that 15-watt supercomputing brain you have resting on your shoulders, okay? So have a great day. Maybe I'll do one tomorrow, too. I don't know. I'm on a roll. Bye.